Welcome to the Morning After on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours on the grid. There is so much to get to as college football season is approaching. Week zero, starting up this weekend. Major League Baseball, down to the wire. Wild card races, absolutely wild. Last night, I couldn't be more grateful to have decided to not stay up for that 16-inning game. After the announcer said, we're going to extra innings, I shot off the Dodgers and Padres game. I said, I will figure out what happened in the morning. I've got to get up and not have as big of bags under my eyes as I already have to do this show. Later this hour, Major League Baseball insider Craig Mish going to join us here on the morning after. But first, my co-host. Ben Stevens. Ben, good morning to you. Happy Thursday. Ariel, a great Thursday morning to you as well. I thought you were about to say there as you were welcoming us on here to the morning after that you decided to stay up for the Padres and Dodgers, which I think ended sometime around 3 a.m. Eastern time, our time. So I'm glad that you went to sleep. I had it on as I fell asleep last night, still on my friend's couch. Shout out the mice. Anyway, I turned it off at like in the 12th inning, I think I woke up around 145 and turned it off. I was like, wait, am I watching Sports Center right now and this is a replay or is the game still going on? Turned out this morning, it was still very much going on. Interesting that it went that late into extra innings when we're starting with runners in scoring position. What's the point, Rob Manfred? What are we doing out here? I just don't understand this rule. I know that for uh, the offenses, they're thinking, okay, this should end the game earlier. When I remember doing, I remember reading an article about minor league baseball and how much it really did shorten the game. It was by about one or two percent. It really wasn't that much of a difference. For the pitchers, it's even worse, too, because you don't want to have to worry about coming into an extra innings game with a runner already in scoring position. That's just, it's mentals, it's annoying, it's not your real runner. I just don't agree with the rule. It doesn't really um, quicken, or it doesn't fa- uh, make the pace any faster for an extra innings game. This one went to 16. It still went late into the night, especially for an East Coaster. However, these games continue to be amazing. And we'll talk more about this in the West Coast Wake Up because Padres Dodgers has been the best rivalry in baseball this year. I do want to talk about a losing streak that did get snapped last night. The Baltimore Orioles. Do not get to 20 straight losses. They ended at 19. The Orioles get the win over the Los Angeles Angels 10 to 6 last night. The Baltimore Orioles were plus 180 on the money line. This total, again in Camden Yards, goes way over a total of nine, landing at 16. Melanie Newman, who's the reporter for the Orioles, she said the Orioles struck Shohei Otani out three times. Otani surrendered three home runs. Ten Orioles. Uh, be- Ten Orioles in the eighth for five runs, including a pinch hit, two-run double from Hayes. Streak over, O's win. Ben, the only concern I have here as a Ravens fan, which, again, this is a really awkward time of year for me because I'm not really an Orioles fan. I'm a Ravens fan, so I'm, like, switching over fandoms in the next two weeks. However... I just hope this doesn't end that 19-game win streak that the Ravens have in the preseason because this was a 19-game losing streak that the Orioles snapped now. You hope that streaks of 19 do not come to an end this weekend in Baltimore for all Baltimore professional teams. We'll get to some preseason early looks later in the show, but you said Dodgers-Padres, one of the best rivalries in all of Major League Baseball this year. Baltimore versus winning games, also a great rivalry as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the first hour of the morning after. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 to the Minder 1090 out on the West Coast as well. Ariel snapping that 19-game losing skid. The Baltimore Orioles, that was the longest 
losing streak since 2005 in the Kansas City Royals. They do not get to 20 games. But if the trend of losing 19 straight games is strong, the trend of going over at Camden Yards is even stronger. Now, the second most over percentage in all of Major League Baseball at 60.3% in home games played by the Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yards, going way over that total. And another thing to keep in mind as you look to the future of handicapping, because what can we take from recaps and apply to what we might see here throughout the stretch run of the Major League Baseball season? Shohei Otani has been great this year, but on the road, he has struggled more than he has at home in Anaheim. A 192 ERA at home in Anaheim this year, but on the road after surrendering three home runs and four earned runs total yesterday to Baltimore, Shohei now has a 425 ERA on the road. All things to keep in mind, but if the Orioles are playing games in Baltimore, you can certainly look to the over, and although they did snap a 19-game losing skid, don't forget, 18 of those 19 losses previous came by multiple runs. I would still look to fade the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I'm not looking to back them anytime soon. You also have to imagine it's a huge relief off these Orioles players' backs to just not have 20 straight wins. In addition to not losing every game in, a same, in the same month of August, that would just be crazy. Good for the Orioles. Glad they snapped that losing streak. However, <laughs> they don't have odds up on FanDuel for anything. They are done. Uh, it's going to be really difficult for the Orioles to get over their win total, too, uh, which in the preseason, we're going to get to that with Craig Mish and how it's very difficult for the Orioles to hit anything to the over at this point, aside for games at Camden Yards, which continue to be profitable at just over 60%, 16 unbelievable runs last night. Then when it comes to these favorites prevailing in Major League Baseball, it's been hitting at close to 60% also. And we're going to dive into a lot more of these games from yesterday where we did see some favorites prevail. However, some games book these teams as home dogs, despite having really good pitchers on the mound. And this team just cannot seem to get over the hump, despite having two really good pitchers throw for them, losing six straight games when those starters are out there. And it helped to increase one team's chances of winning its division. Stay here on the grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. We'll be back after the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This game was absolutely insane yesterday. The Tampa Bay Rays get the win 7-4 over the Philadelphia Phillies. The Rays were plus 134 on the money line, booked as a road dog, despite being the AL East leaders, despite the Phillies being the second place team in the National League East. The game was tied at four going into the ninth inning. The Phillies decided to keep in their starter, Zach Wheeler, who, by the way, went over his strikeout prop of 7.5 with 10 strikeouts. However, Wheeler had this game tied at 4. Keeping him in, he gives up a three-run shot, 
and the Rays take the 7-4 lead in the ninth. Wheeler doesn't even get an out in the ninth inning. They pull him, and that was the story. They end up losing. Ben, keeping a pitcher in for the full nine. Okay, great. Wheeler, awesome job. Ten strikeouts. Yeah, limit them to four runs. It wasn't as if he had a one-run game going. It's not as if he had a one-hitter going. I mean, he gave up four runs in the game, and they keep him in in the ninth. Super weird stat line for Zach Wheeler yesterday. Eight innings pitched, allowed 10 hits, five earned runs, 102 pitches, yet had 10 strikeouts going way over his K prop at eight and a half that had plus money to the over at plus 140. Zach Wheeler, the first pitcher in Major League Baseball this year to get to 200 strikeouts, has the third highest K per nine inning rate in all of MLB. He also has the third shortest odds to win the NL Cy Young on FanDuel at five to one. But by the way, after a stellar performance yesterday, Walker Bueller, now the odds on favorite in that market for the LA Dodgers to win the Cy Young at minus 125. And overall, that game yesterday that Zach Wheeler pitched for the Philadelphia Phillies against a really good side, of course, in the Tampa Bay Rays, who have the best record in the American League, goes to show the struggles Philly has had here as of late. They have lost seven of their last 10 games. They are now an even 500 in their record overall, a full five games back of the Atlanta Braves for that top spot in the National League East and are now plus 390 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win that division. The second shortest odds, the Braves are something like minus 370. They have a commanding lead in the division and the divisional odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. A weird start yesterday for Zach Wheeler, but it doesn't really matter if you look at it from a perspective of strictly the strikeout prop. Zach Wheeler going over with 10 strikeouts, going to show that good starting pitchers, strikeout starting pitchers, even against good sides, even when the numbers are lofty, if you have trust in them, they can go out there and fill up the cage chart. And who cares about the result? As long as you get your 10 strikeouts on a seven and a half, who cares if the team loses? I don't. Also, for Phillies fans, I'm sorry. When you have Wheeler on the mound and when you've had Aaron Nola on the mound, this Phillies team has continued to lose, losing six straight games between those two pitchers. The Phillies now have lost 10 of their last 14. This was a Phillies team that was slated to win this division just a few weeks ago, Ben. They were up there on the board as the favorites to win the NL East. They had the best odd, uh, They had the best record in the division, and the Phillies just continued to lose this month. It was just a terrible end of the month of August for them. The Toronto Blue Jays trying to also keep their playoff hopes alive. They got the win over the White Sox 3-1 to yesterday. This has been a great series for the Jays. They have so far, I think, taken two of the games against the White Sox. The Jays starting pitcher Robbie Ray became the first left-hander in team history to have a 14-strikeout game, which is insane. Um, the Ray, uh, Ray hit the Ray stat line, seven innings pitched, five hits, one run, 14 strikeouts, one walk. Lucas Giolito also had a really good game, six innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, six strikeouts. That first five under four and a half runs, yeah, that uh, hit. And both pitchers have just been allowing about an average of one run per first five innings in the second half of the season, Ben. Kind of like what we just discussed with Zach Wheeler. I think it's important to discuss this idea with Robbie Ray as well. FanDuel's Tom Vecchio alluded to this, that if you have faith in a strikeout pitcher, it doesn't necessarily matter if you think the K-prop is a number that is too inflated or past what you wanted for that value because you have a guy that even against good teams that don't strike out a ton can fill up the strike zone and get you those strikeouts. That was certainly the case with Robbie Ray yesterday. A franchise record for a left-hander, Fort strikeouts going well over that K prop against Chicago. And when you looked at the White Sox 
entering yesterday. Only a 20.3 strikeout percentage against left-handed pitching since the All-Star break. In the last two weeks leading up to yesterday's performance on a Wednesday, the White Sox were at 17.1% strikeout percentage against the left-handed pitcher, but that didn't really matter for Robbie Ray yesterday, being able to do what he did to record those 14 strikeouts. And when you look at Robbie Ray and you want to take this in advanced bets that you might place, Robbie Ray, now the highest K per nine rate in all of Major League Baseball. So again, if you look at the strikeout prop market and you see a number that seems like it might be a little inflated or it's not the best price, and maybe what did we just miss here in the K prop market, but you have a strikeout pitcher like a Zach Wheeler, like a Robbie Ray, like a Corbin Burns. They have the ability to get strikeouts even against good teams and fill up that strikeout chart and go over those K props. So something to keep in mind as you approach the K prop market here moving forward. I actually had the weirdest deja vu just now because I don't know why I felt this game was two days ago. Maybe it's because I was capping it late last night watching the Padres-Dodgers game. I thought Robbie Ray's 14 strikeout game was already two days ago. It just shows you how long my days have felt. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye on when Robbie Ray is on the mound, especially when he's at home. And for Giolito, when he's on the road, he actually pitches really well. Just something to keep in mind if they're doing any kind of first five, if you want to do a first five underplay. Both these pitchers, whether it's Ray at home or Giolito on the road, have been really profitable to the under. They do not allow more than one run per first five innings in those spots. The Jays still back there in the wild card race. Last I checked that they were five and a half games back. Um, I think it's still the same. That was late last night. Uh, four and a half games back, actually, now. The Seattle Mariners in front of them. The Mariners two and a half games back in the wild card race. The Oakland Athletics one and a half games back. Still, Yankees, Red Sox taking those first two wild card spots. Ben, the Toronto Blue Jays were a team a lot of people were high on. In fact, at the All-Star break, I said the Blue Jays had a better shot at making the wild card game than the Yankees did. I had no faith in the Yankees. I still don't really have much faith in them when it gets to the late part of games like the ninth inning. However, the Blue Jays' bats, although they're really hot and their starting rotation they added to at the trade deadline, what is, what's wrong with this Jays team that's just not enough? I think they just had too much ground to make up in a very competitive American League East right now that the Tampa Bay Rays are running away from. And when you're playing teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, and the Yankees have certainly made up that ground, but the Blue Jays have had a tougher time doing so. A very young and exciting team that will be a factor in Major League Baseball for many years to come, especially if their pitching staff like Robbie Ray, like Hunjin Ryu, like Alec Manoa continue to be good. But I think this year just maybe a little bit too much to make up in those AL wildcard standings. The White Sox have a nine-game lead in the American League Central. They are five for their last ten. The White Sox against the Jays in this series, it's been two to one is what the Jays have won by so far, but they have game four of this best-of-four series today, 3.07 p.m. Eastern time. Ben, day baseball, it's a different handicap to me at least, especially when you have to look at these pitchers, even though it's a dome. And you could say, oh, it's a dome. It doesn't matter about the daytime because daylight doesn't affect it. I don't care. It, to me, pitchers are all about routine. If you're going to disrupt the pitcher's routine, when you look at their stats for day games, you really find out if the routine and switching to a day side game messes them up a little bit. And for certain pitchers, it may. 
Yeah, certainly so. When you look at the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League right now, it is a little bit of ground to make up. You mentioned how far they trail, not only in the AL wildcard spot, but also in the AL East. You talk about two teams in that American League wildcard race in the Oakland Athletics and the Seattle Mariners. The reason they are there is because they are trailing the Houston Astros by a good margin in the American League West. And something to keep in mind, Alec Bregman, now back for Houston after missing more than two months, was back yesterday, had two hits and RBI and scored the game-winning run in walk-off fashion. Shout out to former Nebraska Cornhusker Jake Myers, who hit a walk-off bomb, a.k.a. a single that was allowed to score there for Alec Bregman. But now the Astros, a five-game lead in the AL West, their largest since the end of July. The Astros' odds also getting shorter to win the American League pennant, now plus 195 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Alex Bregman played his first game since June 16th. That was the last time that we saw Bregman on the field for the Astros. Coming up next, there were some quarterback races that were won yesterday in the NFL. We're going to talk all from NFL headlines yesterday at training camp. Coming up next, stay right here on The Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. In the NFL yesterday, there were two quarterbacks that were named. Two races. One that was eh, not so much of a surprise, and the other one, well, we figured it would go this way, but who really knows these days in the NFL? First, let's start with the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater ends up winning the starting job over Drew Locke. It was minus 130 when this closed for Teddy Bridgewater to be the starting quarterback. However, it started out with Drew Locke actually being favored to start week one. Bridgewater, 40 snaps in the preseason, two preseason games, had a completion percentage of just over 84%. Every drive resulted in points, three touchdowns, one field goal. Then when you look at the preseason stats alone, it was Bridgewater's job. 16 of 19, 179 yards and two touchdown passes in those two preseason games was really good in the preseason game that he started this past weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. 9 of 11, 105 yards and another touching, uh, passing touchdown. So a great start for Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke was also pretty good throughout this preseason as well. 14 of 21, 231 yards and two touchdowns. Interesting to see the move here by Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos to go with the veteran that they traded for in Teddy Bridgewater, not to give Drew Locke another shot entering his third year in the NFL. We had Joe Pisapia on yesterday, and I thought he made a great point. Why not give Drew Locke, the guy that you have invested in and drafted high in the 2019 NFL draft, another start? If it doesn't work out the first couple of games, then you go to Teddy, and then you move on from Drew. Now it seems like they have moved on from Drew Locke, and I think a market FanDuel needs to put up is Drew Locke's next NFL team. We'll see exactly what happens. Obviously, injury can be a huge factor in the NFL. You have to keep Drew Locke there for depth in that QB room. But it's an interesting moment by Vic Fangio to go with the veteran instead of the young guy. I have been very impressed, Ariel, by what I have seen really out of both quarterbacks 
especially Teddy Bridgewater in this preseason. They've scored 33 points in the opener against the Vikings, 30 points in that second game against the Seattle Seahawks. And the defense, for what the Denver Broncos are known for under Vic Fangio, has looked really, really good. Might I be tempted in a sprinkle on the yes for the Broncos' playoff odds to maybe have one of those spots in the AFC wildcard picture, well, that might be plus 156 at the moment for Denver. Could it be enticing? Maybe so. Mm, meh, eh, we'll see. we got to see how Teddy Bridgewater proves himself. Didn't make it to the playoffs last year with Carolina. However, one thing that Denver does have that Carolina didn't last year is Denver has an experienced defense and a good defense, too. Week one, uh, they're going to play Denver. Uh, the Denver Broncos are going to play at the New York Giants. Denver currently favored at minus one and a half. The line did move about a half a point in Denver's favor after they named Teddy Bridgewater the starter. Another week one line that moved just about a half a point because of naming a starter, it's the Jaguars. The Jaguars named Trevor Lawrence their first all-around pick. He was named the starter for week one in Jacksonville. Now he's going to start week three of the preseason also, according to their head coach, Urban Meyer. That's against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, first team offense has only scored three points in six drives in the preseason. Ben, how much of that concerns you for week one against uh, the Houston Texans? Concern me? I love it. Come on, we're team fade Urban Meyer. Say it with me yet again. Jacksonville's alternate team win total of four and a half. The under plus 240. Let's go. I get it that they named Trevor Lawrence the starter week one. Shocking development there, Urban. Thanks so much for passing that one along. It makes sense. It is also weird to see that line movement, by the way, Ariel, because you have a rookie quarterback in his NFL debut on the road for that week one start, and yet the Jaguars now a three-point favorite. That goes to show how bad the Houston Texans are expected to be this upcoming 2021 NFL season. But again, it doesn't matter if it's Trevor Lawrence, Schmever Lawrence, or Gardner Minshew. Give me the alternate team win total under at plus 240 for the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. It's a really intriguing week one matchup because this Jacksonville team is up against what's projected to be the worst team in football in the Houston Texans. However, the last time that a number one overall pick won his rookie debut in the NFL was 2002. It was David Carr. Coming up next, we welcome in our MSG audience. We'll be back in about 15 seconds. Welcome to our MSG audience here in the first hour of the morning after on Sports Grid. We're also on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're just talking about some of the New York headlines, or excuse me, the NFL headlines, where Teddy Bridgewater is named the starting quarterback in Denver. Trevor Lawrence named the starting quarterback for Jacksonville. What we do know, the New York Giants and the New York Jets, they're pretty certain who their starting quarterbacks are going to be. Here on the screen, you'll see that the lines did move uh, half a point in favor of both the teams. Jacksonville minus two and a half to minus three. Denver minus one moves to minus one and a half for their week one lines. Denver does get the New York Giants. Denver, a one and a half point road favorite at the Giants with Bridgewater at quarterback, an experienced veteran uh, defense that's pretty good, especially um, with some key players returning like Von Miller. Now going up against the Giants, so we haven't seen their quarterback, Daniel Jones, yet in the preseason. We haven't seen their running back, Saquon Barkley. We haven't seen their now number one wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. There's a lot of injuries that have been going on in New York. And first, the Giants cornerback, Adoree Jackson, went down in practice yesterday, Ben. How concerned are you for this sprained ankle? 
Well, I think it was a good sign. It was just a sprained ankle, and he was able to be okay at practice because they felt that this might be more serious when Adoree Jackson went down. And Adoree Jackson, a big free agent acquisition to bolster that secondary for a good Giants defense that ranked in the top 10 of total defense just one year ago, a foundation for these Giants to build off of. You mentioned the Denver line, week number one. The Broncos on the road, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I kind of love that line already for week one based on what I have seen out of the Broncos' defense, especially in this preseason. And, of course, Teddy Two Gloves playing as well as he has. When you look at the Giants, now it seems like they're getting healthier and healthier we saw Dory Jackson not be as significant of an injury as they expected it to be a good sign out of Giants camp Kyle Rudolph is back practicing Kenny Galladay has been getting positive reports about when he will be able to return of course Daniel Jones will play week three of the preseason the ramping up Saquon Barkley this week all good signs for the Giants in an optimistic trend heading to week one of the regular season as we talk about the final week of the preseason an intriguing move by Joe Judge to play Daniel Jones, his starter, in the third and final preseason game. But the Giants, a three-point home underdog against the, one of the hottest teams in all of the preseason, the New England Patriots. The total of that game, Ariel, 35-and-a-half. I think if I had an early lean for this game, the second-to-last game of week three of the preseason, I would probably lean the under. Maybe Daniel Jones a little bit shaky in his first game action. We're not exactly sure how much Cam Newton we might see. I would expect a ton of Mac Jones who has been incredibly efficient in this preseason. But the 35-and-a-half for the second-to-last game of the preseason in the NFL, I might be feeling an under there for the Giants and Patriots this weekend. Another player that's returning that could be a key, especially in the red zone for the Giants, is the tight end Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. He passed his physical, and he will return to practice. Not looking so good for week one. However, he was activated from the physically unable to perform list after having foot surgery in March, right around when he got acquired by the Giants. He averaged about five touchdowns a year in 10 years in Minnesota, but only played 12 games with one touchdown last season due to the injury. Played all 16 games five, for five straight years prior to that. That said, Rudolph could be a key uh, a key element to this team going into the red zone. Just got to hope that the Giants get healthier. Galladay, Saquon, Make sure Daniel Jones stays upright, and hopefully this Giants team can stay healthy enough to compete for the NFC East. Going into the AFC, the New York Jets, they have Zach Wilson, at quarterback, and they just hired a head coach that's very well respected across the league. It's Matt Cavanaugh, who has been a longtime NFL assistant. He's going to be a senior offensive assistant for the Jets. Wilson alluded to Cavanaugh at yesterday's press conference. Kavanaugh was the quarterback coach when Mark Sanchez was a rookie. There was a hole in the staff due to the tragic passing of Greg Knapp. Kavanaugh actually is part of the same coaching tree as Robert Salah and Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. They all come from the Shanahan coaching tree. Then it's all about who you know, and Kavanaugh, even though he does know these other coaches, he's also very well respected, and now he's going to be a key part of the process for molding Zach Wilson in the NFL. And that continuity along the offensive scheme with Mike LaFleur could be very beneficial for Zach Wilson, who has been one of the highlights of the entire NFL this preseason. A 75% completion percentage for Zach Wilson, 191 yards, two touchdowns in his two preseason starts. And we have seen tons of movement on Zach Wilson in the offensive rookie of the year market on FanDuel. Prior to the preseason was plus 1,100, was plus 850. Prior to that week two start against the Green Bay Packers, now is plus 650 the third shortest odds behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And Zach Wilson has looked darn good and has earned that praise up until this point. Yes, it's the preseason, but still, I like what I see out of Zach Wilson. I also might like what I see 
out of the New York Jets in a preseason game as a four-point favorite. And we have seen tons of line movement, Ariel, in this game as well. When you look at what we have seen against the Philadelphia Eagles, the hook has gone up from 33.5 to 34. The Eagles still a little bit questionable in this preseason. No word yet from Nick Sirianni, the head coach of Philadelphia, if we will see Jalen Hurts in this week three preseason finale. Again, early lean, the Jets as a four-point favorite. Never thought I would say those words, but the preseason makes people do some crazy things, and Zach Wilson has looked really, really good so far. Especially because the head coach of the Jets, Robert Salah, says that he's looking to play Wilson probably the first half, but no more than that in that preseason game. Week one, the Jets get the Panthers. The Panthers minus four and a half currently. The Jets going to be on the road for that week one start. Zach Wilson's first start for the New York Jets. The Jags, uh, the Jets offense last year actually averaged less points than teams like the Jaguars, Bears, Giants, and Broncos. The Jets averaged just 13 points last year. Four times in 11 games is uh, where they scored uh, just about that much. So it was just a really bad offensive season for the Jets last season. And can't really go anywhere but up. So we'll see if the rookie can do so. But coming up next, we have Sports Grid's MLB insider Craig Mish joining the show. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Sports Grid Zone MLB Insider Craig Mish. You can catch him on FST right after our show at noon Eastern time here on Sports Grid. Craig, thanks for coming on with us this morning. It is my pleasure. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we did have a losing streak snapped yesterday, Craig. And even though win streaks sometimes are really good for baseball, losing streaks gain just as much traction, especially when it's almost 20 games. The Orioles end up beating the Los Angeles Angels yesterday. However, have you seen a losing streak this bad before? Yeah, you know, I've seen a few. Uh, Kansas City comes to mind a few years ago. I think the Royals may have lost uh, 20 games in a row. The Orioles actually, one year, I think it was 1988, they opened up the season with 20-plus losses. But, yeah, I mean, look, this is the nature of the game at this point. You have teams like Baltimore who are still a year or two away that, uh, you know, they're really bereft of talent at the big league level. But in the end, Ariel, you know, the Orioles – I mean, depending on how you feel about farm system rankings, have the number one farm system in all of Major League Baseball. So that should tell you that within a couple of years, you're going to see these kids come to the big leagues. And uh, and Mike Elias, who is the general, general manager of the Orioles, I, I think they're on the right track. I guess the ethical question, though, does come down to should teams lose on purpose for as long as Baltimore is going to end up losing, like Houston did, like the Cubs did, because the end result does seem, for the most part, to be success, and that's what the Orioles are doing right now. 
Craig, flipping to the other league, the National League, very briefly earlier this week on the FanDuel Sportsbook, we had make-miss playoff odds for teams in contention for that second and final NL wildcard spot. The Reds were the heavy favorite at minus 188. The San Diego Padres were plus 205. What do you make of that NL wildcard race, and who do you think nabs that second and final NL wildcard spot? Yeah, at this point, I think it's it's fair to say that those odds do look very favorable to take the Reds. And, and I'm not somebody that's going to lay minus 180 or 190 on anything. But the Padres' uh, schedule the rest of the way is very formidable. The Reds is not. And I just think at this point, unfortunately, San Diego put themselves in this predicament where they, they lost a lot of games before the schedule got really tight. You saw the game last night or this morning that ended after 16 innings against L.A., that's going to really put a, a bind in them coming up this weekend, too. So I, I, I think in the end, what this will show is that you can sign all the free agents you want. You can hand out all the big money that you want. But in year one, it doesn't work. You, you, need, you need time to get these guys to know each other. I know it's like there's, it's cliche and there's really no data that's going to point to that. But building a team in Major League Baseball to win a World Series through free agency is something that can be done, but it does take a couple of years. And I think San Diego will be fine next year, but it just didn't work for them this year. One player you could be alluding to is the starting pitcher for the Padres, Blake Snell, who came over from the Tampa Bay Rays. How much do you factor in the switch from American League to National League in free agency? Well, for Snell, it should have been pretty easy. He got the pitcher once every five days to face, and, and I don't think that he was ever completely healthy. And so I, I think that that was somewhat of a factor. But I, I think, and look, it's not 100% in terms of what the Rays do, but when the Rays give up on you or when the Rays trade you, you should always wonder what's wrong with that player. Like, what was up with that? Now, there is a contrarian to that at this point, which is, the Rays basically, I mean, they didn't give away Willie Adamas to Milwaukee, but Willie Adamas is probably the reason why the Brewers have really jumped out to this big lead that they have in the Central. But eight or nine times out of ten, when the Rays let you go, you got to wonder, hey, was it a good move for the team to acquire them? And in this case, for San Diego's side, at least for this year, it appears it did not work. Craig, that NL West is always fascinating. The Dodgers with the win last night in 16 innings. They have won 15 of their last 17 games. They are the odds-on favorite to win the National League West in the FanDuel Sportsbook at minus 140, yet they still trail the San Francisco Giants by two and a half games in that division. Do you think there is still value on the Giants with a plus-money figure next to their name on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Yeah, I, I think there is, but look, the Dodgers are just that team that you know inevitably it's going to come down to the last week or the last couple of weeks of the season. Clearly, they want the wild card. Uh, I'm sorry, they want to win the division for sure, Ben. There's no question about that. But uh, at this point, the Giants have shown no let-up whatsoever. I believe they've gotten over the 81 win mark, which means I think if they lose every game the rest of the year, they still finish over 500, and we're not even in September. So that's pretty amazing. So, yeah, a little bit, but I would not count out the Dodgers. It'll be a very close race. And, and I guess if you were going to take the, the Giants right now plus money, you can hedge yourself in uh, when it comes down to those head-to-head -head matchups toward the end of the year. Going back to the American League, the Chicago White Sox have lost two out of their last three to the Toronto Blue Jays. They play game four of that series today. Craig, after watching a team that's in one of the weaker divisions in baseball, leading 10 games in the American League Central, 
they're playing an, an AL East team that's sitting in fourth place right now and have just lost two out of three. How concerned does that make you for betting on the White Sox throughout the playoffs? Well, I mean, I, I don't think that the White Sox are a contender to, to win the American League and the World Series. And, and, I, and I think, again, this is a team that's been developed. But again, you add sort of some free agency uh, to the end of it to build the team and get them in the place that they are. And honestly, Toronto is a pretty good team. Like Toronto would have a pretty good shot at that second wild card if they were over in the National League. It's just they got stuck in that tough division this year with Boston playing as well as they have, Tampa Bay, and of course the Yankees have been on fire. So I'm not worried about the White Sox winning their division. But what what I've seen before, and it and it happens every year, is honestly August 25th, August 26th. It doesn't matter. What matters is, in a month from now, how you're playing. And the hottest teams at the end of the season end up going the deepest. We saw it with Washington when they won the World Series a couple of years ago. If you remember, the team that I cover here in South Florida, Miami got real hot at the end of September. They ended up making the postseason. They ended up beating the Cubs in the playoffs, too. So I would keep more of an eye on that. I'd be more willing to bet the teams at the end of the month of September as opposed to paying attention to what's happening right now because the White Sox clearly are just slogging their way to the end. Craig, we check in with you on this pretty much every single week. The New York Yankees are the hottest team in Major League Baseball, winners of 11 straight games, the fourth shortest odds now to win the AL pennant on FanDuel at plus 430. Has your opinion on the Yankees in the postseason changed at all over the last couple of weeks? Not really. Every team over the course of the season is going to have a long winning streak of five or six games. The Yankees just happened to be 10. Those losses that they had that were gut-wrenching and where they lost games earlier in the year three or four times with Chapman or the bullpen blowing it has now evened out it's just it evened out over the course of two weeks with a 10 or 11 game winning streak so not really I I haven't changed my opinion there I think having Cole three times in a seven game series is very important but I, I don't know that the Yankees are going to get out of a wild card situation and I certainly think if they do I don't know that they'd get out of a divisional situation either because I just don't think they have strong enough pitching the hitting has been great make no mistake about it but I think in the end, I do like Tampa Bay more. Uh, I like Houston more. And and honestly, I think in a one-game scenario, it hasn't happened. But I, I think there's a chance Oakland finally gets out of this thing this year. I, I think they do have enough talent yeah. offensively to do it. I know I've been saying that. People have been saying that for decades. But Oakland always gets in, and then they got they get knocked right out. Yeah. But that could change this year. I don't know. There's something about the Yankees doesn't feel right for me. But they're going to make the postseason, make no question about it. Ironic you mention it. The Yankees and Athletics are in action starting their best of three game series today. And uh, Craig Mish from here on Sports Grid joining us. Catch him at FST at noon Eastern time. Craig, that series between the Yankees and Athletics, how much are you going to take from that series regarding how long these two teams could make it through the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this will be more of an indication if they do face off in the wild card game. I, I think that this would give you a pretty a good view, especially if Oakland plays well now remember Oakland is now without one of their starting pitchers Chris Bassett who got hit in the head with a ball and he's out for a period of time but the difference I think with Oakland this year as opposed to years past is that no they don't have a Garrett Cole that's going to be able to start for them in a a playoff game or even in a five game series but the difference with the A's in the past is that as they've gotten to the end of the season, they couldn't line up two starting pitchers to go in these five. They they were starting openers over the last few years in their one-game postseason game. I think they have enough to get through that this year. And they certainly, to me, have the bullpen to get through it, too. So I'll keep an eye on it for sure. 
I think it's more for a head-to-head deal than it is for the last month of the season, though. Craig, the team you cover is the Miami Marlins, which means the division you are most familiar with is probably the National League East. And right now, it seems like the Braves are running away with that division. A five-game lead, minus 370 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But I'm not going to ask you about the NL East. What do you make of the Braves' outlook for the rest of the postseason? Can they be a true contender to win the National League pennant? Yeah, it, it seems a little far-fetched. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they could get out of the first round, but to win the pennant seems like a little bit much without Acuna, and, and Michael Soroka hasn't pitched for them all season long, and, and even last year at the end of the year they were without him. But there's a player that they have. He's a young pitcher. His name's Ian Anderson, and he was so good for them last year down the stretch and so good in the postseason. I would almost think... He's been hurt a lot. I would almost think that I would need to see him make some quality starts for me to believe that he could go two or three times in a seven-game series. They deserve a lot of credit for what they did at, at the trade deadline, getting Peterson and getting Solaire and fortifying their bullpen with Richard Rodriguez. And, and it goes to show you that had the Phillies done a little bit more, I think the Phillies could have been in that spot. And unfortunately, they've been disappointing again. So I, I think the Braves could win a series, but I don't see them winning the pennant. Greg, just last question here. What can everyone expect to hear out of you guys from FST coming up at noon Eastern time? Wow, we are in full fantasy football mode at this point. As I mentioned last week, the most baseball talk I do on SportsGrid, I think, is on this show now. So, uh, all, you know, it's, it's basically getting you ready for the drafts, bringing on guests, taking different views, how to win fantasy, going through the preseason games, diving into the players that are playing in the second half. Uh, and, and that's what we'll do. We'll preview this weekend's games, too. So it is all fantasy football all the time on our show right now, pretty much. Absolutely love it. If you're done with hearing about gambling, make sure to go to sportsgrid.com and all of our streaming services to check out Craig there on FST at noon Eastern time. Craig, thanks so much for coming on with us. All right. Have a great day. Ben, I think it's very fascinating that at this point in the season, we're going to get some really important matchups to keep a close eye on. As Craig was alluding to, getting to see the Yankees and Athletics in action, that could potentially be the wild card matchup. So it's something you have to really keep a close eye on to see how these two face off. Yeah, absolutely so. I think that will be a great series to show where both teams stand at the moment. The Yankees having to go out to the Bay Area and the West Coast. The A's need to rally, Ariel. They've lost four straight games, and in each of those four games, they have started out scoring the first run and have let the team come from behind. Two games against the Giants, two games against the Mariners. So the A's need to build some of that momentum. A full game and a half back now of the Red Sox for that second and final AL wildcard spot. Certainly we are seeing that on display between LA and San Diego this week. We will see that coming up more with the San Diego Padres who have a grueling stretch of having to play against the Giants 10 more times this season. I think we're seeing it even a little bit in the White Sox and the Blue Jays, like you mentioned. The White Sox have dominated the AL Central, but that division stinks right now. So when they're going up against the best in the rest of the American League, how does their outlook look for chasing that AL pennant this postseason? Right, and then you have to wonder how much facing such a bad division hurts these teams going forward into the playoffs. It's not as if it's the NFL where you're glad that you're not getting banged up by tough defenses. It's Major League Baseball where you really have to see the best pitching talent or else you're probably not. You're probably going to face some really good pitchers when you get to the playoffs, and it's just going to make your life harder. Coming up next, we're going to talk our Fade the Public poll, NFL. Stay on the grid. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour one here on the morning after on Sports Grid. We're on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. The poll today is regarding some younger quarterbacks in the NFL. Who's going to win their first NFL playoff game first? Now, Ben, it's about just who's going to do it for the first time. You have to win the playoff game, not just make it in. Mm. Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. Tua Tungavailoa, Trevor Lawrence. The winner is Tua Tungavailoa of the Miami Dolphins, cashing in at, was that, 51? It's hard for me to read it. I think it's 51.2% is what the public voted. Are you fading the public? Ariel, so interesting. I really thought I was going to be able to fade the public when I selected my option last night because I selected Tua. And I thought the name brand of Joe Burrow, the recency bias of Trevor Lawrence, mainly would garner some attention from the public. It did not. I was even sitting here with my now roommate, who is my friend because I'm sleeping on his couch. Shout out to Mice once again. And we were discussing this poll last night. He brought up a great point that it's not just get to a playoff game, but win that playoff game. And Tua certainly seems to have the most opportunities here in the near future to do just that, to reach the playoffs maybe in an AFC wildcard position and then have that potential to win a playoff game. Tua Tungabailoa has looked really, really good this preseason, especially last week, throwing for a ton of yards for the Miami Dolphins. So I agree with the public here. I thought I was going to be able to fade them. Unfortunately, not today. I love how you've given the mice now two shout-outs in the first hour. Jack, I wonder what that line was going to be set out for mentions of the mice. I don't know if the two would hit the over or the under. Probably the under, honestly. However, Tua Tungabailoa is on the probably most well-rounded team right now. The Dolphins do have one of the better defenses. And if you look at them the last two years, two years ago they were resilient under their head coach despite starting off the year pretty much winless. And then last year, even though it was the first year with Tua Tungabailoa, they were 50 uh, between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick, the team ends up above 500 and with nine or 10 wins last year. Miami probably has the more ready team to win a playoff game. Hour number two coming up next. Stay right here on the grid. We've got you covered till noon Eastern time. How to spot a sports gaming winner. They listen to 